Now, can I ask you please to turn with me in your Bibles to um, Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. And um, we've been preaching through the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to use this passage of scripture as the basis for what I would like to share with you as we speak about peace in Europe and as we speak about um, war. For many of us, we've never been through war and our generation certainly hasn't. Depends which part of the world you come from. But you know, it's a definite reality that this war could escalate further into Europe. And so I would like us to talk today just about how we as a church responds during moments like these. I think you would agree with me that in Switzerland, in a very real sense, and it's no stretch of the imagination, we do live um, in a bubble here. Um, and if you don't think so, well, why don't you think back at some of the countries that some of us come from? Um, this is a very special place to live. But it's also a privileged place that God has placed us in, and it's of his doing, so we don't feel guilty for living here. We're very thankful. But with privilege comes responsibility. And as a church who is based in one of the most beautiful cities in the world, I say to people, it's the most beautiful city in the world. I love Zug. I love Zug. I, I, I saw Fabian yesterday. I was just at Lake Zug there, and I was just walking. And as I, as I was walking, as I do often within our beautiful city, I, I was just praying. I was by myself, and as people would pass by, I would just listen to their conversations. And... Um, of course, I didn't understand most of the conversations. Did ask for the gift of interpretation, but I didn't get it. But you hear different nationalities speaking. And you see the faces of people, and it's nice that the masks are off now because you can see the faces of people and you can identify at least where some of them come from. And as I was walking, I was saying, Lord, would you just minister to this nationality? Would you just touch this nationality? Lord, would you bring those type of people into your kingdom? Because I do feel that we have an immense responsibility as we live here. And the church that God placed here, and it was his idea, and obedient men and women rose up. Um, and this church was formed something like 17 years ago. And it's not our church alone, it's the other wonderful churches within Zouk and Lucerne and Zurich and the surrounding areas that are so privileged to be able to represent the king and his kingdom, that of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I really do believe that we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven and God has placed us in Zouk, in Switzerland and in Europe's and I use that plural because technically Switzerland is not a part of Europe, but we actually are a part of Europe. Um, I may get excommunicated from Switzerland if the Swiss hear me saying that, but we're a part of this incredible continent. And as a church, we represent first and foremost the king and his kingdom. And 
At this point, I would like us to read from verse 27 because this is what I feel um, not only Scripture says, but what God would whisper into our hearts. Philippians chapter 1, reading from verse 27, and these first two words are incredibly powerful in the context that we live in today. It says, whatever happens, can I ask you just to say that phrase with me on the count of three, one, two, three, whatever happens. If you ask the Ukrainian people and the Russian people in particular, both of those two countries, and as a matter of fact, Anton, um, one of the Russian men within our church on Thursday night explained to us the relationship between Russia and the Ukrainians, and he says, we're cousins, we're family, we're friends. And so be very careful what you post on your Facebook page about Russia. Be very careful what you post on Ukraine. I don't just want to say pray for Ukraine, although my heart is with them. Pray for Russia as well. This, families are divided during this war, my friends. And there are Ukrainians who live in Russia and Russia, you know, they're cousins, they're family. And so they can utter the words, whatever happens. They didn't think it was going to happen. What is happening? My friends, for us in this world, we do not know what is going to happen. But our response can be, whatever happens. And I'm paraphrasing. We will conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Can you say amen to that? It's so powerful, it's gripped my heart as I was reading it this week. Whatever happens, I as a Christian, but as you know, the book of Philippians was written in the context of the we. Not the me, but the we. Paul speaking into the context of fellowship of believers. So whatever happens, we will conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul says to the church there, even as there were some people who had problems with each other in the church, Judea and sanctity, they were battling with each other. You know, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Speaking to those two ladies as he's writing. And then those who were taking camps in the church around those two ladies, he was saying, guys, whatever happens here, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then he addresses another issue. He addresses the issue of suffering for the sake of the gospel, which Paul um, was directly involved. He was in prison, chained to a different prison guard every single day. The people were feeding him on the outside because they didn't feed them in prison directly. And so uh, uh, Paul says, well, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ when it comes to uh, schisms in the church. But he also says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel when you are being persecuted, when you are suffering for me. He says, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. 
And then he goes on and he says, then whether I come and see or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. He's talking to the church again where the schisms are being formed. He says, no, you cannot be of this and you cannot be of that. You need to stand together in one spirit. Striving, not as one, but striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they'll be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it is granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, that privilege of believing in him, but then he says, but also to suffer for him, the responsibility and obligation that we have. Privilege on the one hand, believing in him, such an amazing privilege, believing in Jesus. Then on the other hand, the obligation, the responsibility to suffer for him. Christians believe, but we also suffer. Not for our own wrongdoings, but for the sake of the gospel he's addressing here. And that's an immense privilege. And again, Paul speaks into the context of him being in prison. People were writing in letters and they said, we feel so sorry for you. Paul said, don't feel sorry for me. He says, pray that my suffering would be worked out for the sake of the gospel. That the prison guards would hear about this incredible story of the saving grace of Jesus. And Paul was saying to the prison guards and to the people there that if you believe in him like I do, your sins will be forgiven. He'll change your identity into a child of God and he'll place eternity within your heart, not by the very things that you try and do by being good and doing the good deeds. He says, no, but by believing in Jesus. And that's why he emphasizes when he says, um, um, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him. My friends, faith in Jesus is only found when we believe in him. That's when the miracle takes place. That's when our lives are changed supernaturally. That's when the spirit of God enters into our spirit. It is almost like a room that was in darkness before. And when Christ enters into your life, he switches the light on and his spirit breathes life into you. And you have a new beginning for all eternity where you live a privileged life believing in Jesus. I can't tell you how privileged I feel this morning being a son of God. The privilege of praying into circumstances that I have very little control over. The privilege of being a Christian is prayer. 
privilege of a Christian is that if I needed to be involved in that conflict and if I had to die within the field there, the privilege of being a Christian is that as we spoke last week, absent from the body, our spirit, we are, yes, present with the Lord. Privilege of believing in him. Yes, the moment of death may be terrifying and I'm sure it is. But I was just reading of, 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 of some of the martyrs that's gone before us, how they, um, people who saw them write on their behalf, family members, and they say when they died, they died with such courage. Because when we believe in those moments, the privilege of believing is that God gives us courage for those terrifying moments. Our brothers and sisters involved in the war. Apparently in the Ukraine, I read a stat this week, it says that 70% of the Ukrainian confess that they are Christians. And when they die, God will give them courage because they believe in him. <laughs> the privilege of the gospel that Paul speaks about and he speaks in this context and he says that is why I'm in chains. It's because uh, I'm privileged to believe in him but the obligation and the responsibility that I have is also to suffer for him and that's why I'm in prison. My friends, as the years progress, we will be called upon more and more to suffer for his sake, for the gospel. Ready yourself for it. It's coming. It's imminent. It may come through different means, but it's coming. And I'm not being prophetic. It is simply what the word of God states. The privilege. Wow. But also the incredible responsibility and obligation that we have. And, and so this whole passage, as a matter of fact, the whole book of Philippians is bathed in this wonderful thought. And um, so Paul wants us just to acknowledge just three things and I'm very quickly going to mention it. He says, When we believe, we are privileged to have the liberty of the gospel to enter within our lives. The gospel brings freedom. It brings freedom, my friends. And in this passage of scripture, you know, he just wants the church to know the effect of the gospel, and we've spoken about that a little bit, and I'm just gonna mention it as I said. Secondly, he wants us to understand that with the liberty of the gospel, uh, there comes life in the gospel. When Jesus enters our lives, he gives us life, but he also gives us a new life. You know, that's why churches and our church have such a huge responsibility that when people who walk in here and they're walking in here in darkness because of their sin and not knowing Jesus, they need to find a church where there is life. And that represents the living life of the Lord Jesus through the gospel that is preached but also enacted 
that's lived out. And that draws people to the Christ that we love so much. The gospel is life. It is liberty, but it's also life. But the gospel that he speaks about here is also one of love. And um, we're going to exercise that love because we are Christians, not only amongst one another, but also to those that we do not know. Our love extends further than our personal boundaries. Our love extends to the borders out there and beyond that. And that's the incredible responsibility of the church. And so let me leave those three thoughts with you in the context of this passage of Philippians. And some of you may ask me the question, Piet, why war? And I think that's a very good question to ask. My friends, why war? Well, firstly, God said that it would happen. And if God said that it would happen and that it's going to happen, he's not caught off guard like you and I are, even with what's happening in the Ukraine and in Russia and touching the island. We've got to understand that. He's not caught off guard with that. James chapter four, verses one to three says this. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that are war in your members? <laughs> Interesting pleasure. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Sorry, I've uh, gone ahead to the second point with that scripture, but, but let's, let's, let's look at the first scripture. Sorry about that. The desk, God said it would happen. Matthew chapter 24, verses six and seven tells us where Jesus says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes, various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Jesus was saying that in the book of Matthew already. And we know that the end times happened with, with the book of Acts, beginning of the book of Acts. And these things have happened. And so these things remind us of a God who speaks and says it would happen. So put your fears and your concerns within that context. Secondly, why war? Because we live in a fallen world. And that's where James chapter 4, verses 1 to 3 comes in. And let's read it again. Where do wars and fights come from among you. And of course, it's very relevant for the Philippian believers because they were in war with each other. But generally, where do wars come from? Wars, where do wars and fights come from among you? They, do they not come from your desires for pleasure 
that war in your members, your lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You do not ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it only on your own pleasures. My friends, wars will always happen because we live in a fallen world and the fallen desires is that we'll do anything and everything just for pleasure. Don't take my pleasure away. We as Christians are similar to that and God wants to deal with us in that regard. Don't touch my comfort and don't touch my pleasure. And even so much with the war and I think with Vladimir Putin, you know, I think there's so much that we could say, say about a man who, who has fallen. He's fallen. We pray for his soul. Paul knows all about us. Paul was Saul of Tarsus. He murdered and persecuted Christians because he was fallen. We pray for all fallen people that they will come to a knowledge of the saving grace. My friends, in our sins, our sentence is the same as uh, Vladimir Putin because that's how terrible even our sins are. You and I think that we're better than him. My friends, we broke the law of God and that's where the gospel puts all of us on the same plane. I hope you're really offended at me for saying that. But it's true. Before a holy God, our sins are sin all over. This is the glorious gospel who removes all of our sin. We live in a fallen world and as long as we live in a fallen world amongst fallen people, we will have wars of many, many kinds. Within homes, there are wars. Between husband and wives, there are wars because of our desires that we haven't handed over to Jesus. God wants to liberate it, and that's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel brings freedom. It's the gospel of liberty. Hard to accept when we live in a place like that, but my friends, this is the reality of war. You lust and you do not have. You murder and you can't covet because you cannot obtain. At the end of the day, war is about self. Wanting its own way for self. Harry Patch, the last surviving soldier of World War I said this. War is organized murder and nothing else. <laughs> Wow. Harry Patch, war is organized murder and nothing else. My friends, we need the gospel. The world leaders need the gospel. Every single nation. And then thirdly, why war? Simply to remind us of our own limitations. Man thinks that they can be God. We can set up our kingdoms and we could rule. Very quickly when, rule, when war breaks out, we realize how powerless we are to control. It causes us to switch our minds on a God who is sovereign, on a God who is awesome, and on a God who is the true ruler of the world and he'll show it in time to come when he'll come back again the Bible says and he will rule 
And the Bible says he will rule with a rod and iron for a while and the nations will submit before him and he will set up his kingdom and his rule. And the Bible says he will reign forever. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, the context. So why will, firstly, God said it would happen. Secondly, because we live in a fallen world. And thirdly, to remind us of our limitations, we are not God's. How can you practically be involved in this war? Well, firstly, we need to be aware, and this is what we're doing. Be aware of what's going on. Secondly, we need to pray, friends. The most powerful weapon that the Christian church has is to pray. And so on Tuesday night, over Zoom, we're going to pray again into this. And then again next Sunday. We need to pray. And with prayer, fasting comes. So we're going to fast for 24 hours as a church starting 12 noon next Sunday. 6th of March to Monday noon, the 7th of March. Join us. That's how we can be involved in a helpful way. And then just thirdly, we actually need to be practically helpful. (laughs) How are we going to do that as a church? We're going to start off firstly with our finances as a church. And over this week, we would very much like you as an eldership to go away and to pray on how much finance. In Switzerland, we can do that. That's one of the ways we can do it. It's very hard to send food, groceries, clothes, all of those things to the places. But what we can do is we can send money. But I want to encourage you not to send money just to any national organization. Don't do that. What we'll do is we'll ask you to send your money into the lift account and you need to clearly mark it by the subject matter. Peace in Europe. Amen? That's where our hearts lie, is for peace in Europe. I purposefully do not want any country's name on it because we're here for the nations. Our heart pulsates for the nations including Russia, including Ukraine, including Poland, that's being hugely affected. But we want you to pray and to release your finance into that area that's over and beyond your tithe. You bring your tithe into the storehouse. We need to carry on with what we're doing. But we want to go over and beyond. And we would like you, please, over and beyond to bring finance into the church. And we're going to release it into... A church that is already involved with this project and they've set up a wonderful system. And I spoke to this friend of mine, I've known him for many years. He leads a church in Krakow in Poland. And um, the name of the church is New Covenant Church. And him and I speak to each other from time to time. And it was his birthday about three weeks ago. I phoned him on his birthday and we had a great conversation, again, not knowing that they were going to be a wonderful channel through which we can resource our finance and help to them. 
and he practically with his wife, they'll take the finance and they will go out and they will go and um, seed it into the areas um, where there is, is need. And um, I will stay in close contact. And his name is Vorchek Kukulski. And um, uh, he is actually a South African who went, I think, 17, 18 years ago and started a church in Poland. And he is Polish, but a South African Pole. And we've known each other for, for many, many years. But I really trust them. And uh, so seed your money into Lyft under that banner. And then we, as soon as we get a significant amount in, we're going to release it to them in Krakow. They're three hours from the border of the Ukraine. They already have thousands of people just coming in. And he mentioned the numbers to me. They've got Ukrainian families within their church as well. And they've got families in Ukraine that are really struggling. And so they're providing blankets for them. They're providing food for them. Um, they're providing shelter for them. They're already taking refugees into their church and into churches. As far as a friend of mine in Holland, they're already going through Poland into Holland and, and they're doing amazing things already just within the short period of time. But what these people in Poland need, what Wojciech and the people need, is the strong currency of the franc. Amen? I tell you, we're so privileged to have a strong currency. God uses it for his kingdom. I think it is, it is, it is uh, four Polish currency to one franc. So it's, it's, it's going to multiply. So they have the finance of people within Lift Church, but they also have our hearts. And so when we give, we give with our hearts. We want to give generously. You mentioned an amount already that's in their account. That's not much that they already are starting to use. And I think that we as a church can go over and beyond and really bless that. Amen? And we'll give once, but not only once. I think that this is going to go on for a long period of time. It's not going to be over within a day. And so we're going to have these drives from time to time. But it's a great channel. I prefer to release finance into world aid through churches that I personally have a relationship with because then I know where they go to and we can be a part of it. And that's the way we release finance within this church. And so if, if you would do that this week, um, the details are within our webpage. You can give um, over um, the prescribed means that we have over over um, the internet, but then also if you would like to give cash, put it in your envelope and put peace in Europe. Uh, it'll be counted by the team and um, we'll let you know how much we get in as it comes in and we'll start releasing money that you give in, but we'll also release money that we have within the church already. So we want to give it, we want to give a significant amount, but together I know that we could really help in a significant way. So Lyft, um, we don't have much more time. We're already over time. I'm going to ask you to stand, please. You see, the gospel is not only theoretical. The gospel needs to be lived out practically. And Christians 
are the most generous people with their love, but we're also most generous with our finance. So let's raise to this occasion.